Karibu AMG Realtors. We have specialized in selling of land across the country in areas like Nanyuki, Naivasha, Nakuru, Juja, Kagunda Road, Malindi and the Abadeas. Contact us today for land investment solutions and have your title deed delivered within 60 days upon completion of payment. SMS AMG to 402 or call us on plus 254-748-229-941. AMG Realtors, we don't just deal in land, we deal in value. Hey Sider, how are you? I'm good, baby. How are you doing today? I'm good. I, I'm so thrilled to have you here, and it's it's just perfect timing. You know, everything just works out for a good cause. So, you know. <laughs> Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Excited to be here today. You're welcome. Anytime. First of all, let me just say congratulations on whatever you're doing. It's <laughs> I can see it on your face. I can see it in the background. Like life is good. And Life is good. <laughs> Glory be to God. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. I would love people to know more about you and mm-hmm. just give us an introduction so that people can have an understanding of what they're going to get into. Because they saw the topic, they know what it's about, but they want to know the person more importantly. Absolutely. So I am Saida Farrell, affectionately known as Chef Farrell. Uh, I'm the owner of the Marshmallow of the Month Club, where every month I send out fresh-baked graham crackers with artisan marshmallows and all kinds of just this fun experience for people to unwind and enjoy a, a nice little treat for themselves. That's beautiful. I would love to know, how did this all start? Like, what brought you to this point? Oh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> all the time in the world. <laughs> journeys you know and then you just end up here you know you never knew you would end up here but um i mean it really started in 2010 when i got downsized from my job and decided to go back to school and i wanted to do something that was hands-on so i went into the culinary arts program and from there it just really started to just life just started to craft itself you know so from there just working in different restaurants as a pastry cook and really developing my own unique um, style, presence, pastry, whatever you want to call it. But um, I eventually started selling my marshmallows in what was called a S'more Survival Kit. And from there, um, I thought I was able to open a bakery, but I was undercapitalized and it opened and closed very quickly. And I still wanted my own. And I started developing this subscription box because it was a lower overhead, I could work from home here in Ohio. And that's what it became. I took the S'more Survival Kit. This is a really short, condensed version of the journey, but I took that S'more Survival Kit and turned it into a monthly subscription box for marshmallow lovers. Wow. You know, once you mentioned culinary arts, I was like, my head was just spinning. I was like, there's so much that people don't know about the culinary arts. And it's like mm-hmm. the culinary arts is very specific. It's like an art in itself. It's like it, your mind has to work in a certain way. It does. Being innovative and being creative and depending on where you're at, right? So if you're working on the line during a lunch rush, I mean, you're almost working like 
in a fog. You're really on autopilot. You know, the different things that you have to cook, managing your time, making sure everything is hot. It's an amazing experience. Adrenaline rush, if you're an adrenaline junkie, it's an amazing adrenaline rush. And then when it's all said and done, then you look around and everything you got to clean and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Wow. But I feel like there's beauty in the mess. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because thinking about the process it takes for someone to come up with an idea, put it together, perfect it, and rinse and repeat, it's like mm-hmm. you have to keep doing it to a point where you can even do it with your eyes closed. It, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking like I'm just thinking like okay, I want to come and get some marshmallows today. What are the thoughts that are happening in the client's head? when they're thinking about this because you know you can easily go to like Publix or Kroger or Walmart but like what makes you stand out yeah definitely like Walmart probably has the widest selections of marshmallows that are out there Um, I mean and they range in all kinds of different flavors but what makes me truly unique there's there's probably about three things you know Um, there's one is the experience so when you get artisan marshmallows from me and you open this box it's truly a crafted experience I wish I had one here in front of me but I just ran to the post office with this uh, this week's marshmallows but it's truly opening it up and just having that experience because it's it feels catered to that individual. Um, the other thing is that the way that it's crafted is that it's you can take the marshmallows and put them in your cocoa, or you can make them into a s'more, or you know, or just like these little bites, right? Um, but the biggest thing, two big things that set me apart from walking down that aisle in Walmart is that my marshmallows are made fresh, delivered to you fresh, with no artificial ingredients, no artificial coloring. If I'm making a carrot cake marshmallow, I'm juicing carrots and cooking the carrots down to make this carrot marshmallow, right? And so I have some kitschy flavors, like this month is lemon, so I'm zesting lemons and juicing lemons and giving you those lemons. And the other thing that's another, that sets me apart is that I don't eat pork, and most marshmallows are made with a pork-based gelatin. So I said, let me cater to a different clientele. And um, so I took the pork gelatin out and started making them with a fish-based gelatin for, you know, so it's not kosher, but it's kosher friendly, halal friendly, pescatarian, you know, friendly. So I offer those options as well. Does that limit your clientele in any way? Because it's like either we eat pork or we don't. (laughs) No. The only limitation is for people who are allergic to fish. That's mm. probably about it, you know, if you're allergic to fish. And those people who have gotten in touch with me who are allergic to fish, I can easily make them a, a, a vegan or or a pork-based, beef-based gelatin. I can use other gelatins to make them marshmallows. So it doesn't limit me. But it does niche me and keep me focused with just doing it with this particular ingredient. Nice. You know, earlier you mentioned about just shipping the last order for the week how does this work when people order and do they have to wait for like three days five days and then the freshness of it because you know you want to keep it hot and fresh or cool and is there are there instructions they get in the in the packages how does this work and what's the experience like 
Yeah, so the when your welcome kit, you do get instructions with your welcome kit. Okay. Um, you get the marshmallow probably within four days of when I made the marshmallow. But the way that I set up my business model is that when you order from me, um, it takes 30 days before you actually get the box from me. Oh. It's still fresh, but you're in queue. So you're in a queue for 30 days until you get your next marshmallow. So until you get your first marshmallow. And that's really because of how I set up um, uh, how, I, how I set up the business itself because I've put zero dollars into the business. Uh, the business is actually paying for itself. So when I got my first couple of subscribers, I took that money and I paid for like what I needed for those subscribers. And then when I got to 20, those 20 people, I took that money and put it into the business. So I, I you know, based on the bad experience that I had with my first business being undercapitalized, I really wanted to understand how can I self-fund and bootstrap this business? Yeah. And that's how it works. So that's why like that 30 days is really me taking like the revenue, buying all of my supplies, you know, and there's definitely a profit from there. And then within the next 30 days, you get your subscription box. I like that. So in 30 days, you get your subscription box and then mm -hmm. the next 30 days you get the next one. So it just makes you feel like, okay, I'm going to have one marshmallow a week. <laughs> <laughs> if you can manage it, not to, you know, I get so many people who are like, I just ate everything. <laughs> right like I just need a minute to myself and I love marshmallows and I would like grab marshmallows and you know and eat marshmallows it was kind of like me emotional my emotional eating and decompressing but you know when you go to culinary school your palate begins to develop and so those store-bought marshmallows just weren't doing it for me anymore so mm -hmm. I started thinking of different flavor marshmallows I mean in November I do like a Thanksgiving uh, centered one so I've done cranberry sweet potato maple I have all kinds of fun flavors that I can do that's great and you know when you speak about different events and seasons of the year that affects how people order and what they're ordering for absolutely absolutely could you take us through that process to know like when when is the right time to switch gears because like right now we're in Q2 so how does someone know oh okay she's about to switch it up Absolutely. So Q2, I'm making a big change. So I'm going on my third year of selling this subscription box. And I made a shift at the beginning of Q2 to no longer offer. So the names that I had, I had like a mini box mm -hmm. and then I had the Lux and then a family pack. But what you notice is like there's two big holidays during the year. Um, there's Mother's Day. I wish I could say it was also Father's Day, but Mother's Day is a big day of the year um, where you get a lot of sales. And then there's the holiday season in November. So I started to notice, like, within the other times, who am I actually selling to? And I'm selling to that gift giver who wants, like, a unique gift, right? Not a lot of individuals are purchasing this for themselves. I started looking at these uh, the notes, right? The messages that people were sending when it comes to gifts. And there were a lot of happy birthdays. 
So for Q2, I switched from calling it a mini, a deluxe and a family pack mm -hmm. to now there's a birthday pack, there's a congratulations pack, the family pack, and then gift yourself and the Mother's Day pack. So I have different, so now, you know, the king of SEO. <laughs> so now people are looking for me for that unique birthday gift, that unique Mother's Day gift, you know? So instead of people, maybe people aren't searching for a marshmallow gift, but maybe they're searching for that unique birthday gift or hard, you know, someone, uh, you know, hard to find, you know, gift for the person who's hard to purchase for. So that's the shift that I'm making um, for the holidays. So each quarter will be based, you know, this quarter is focused on Mother's Day. Yeah. But then after that, the quarters are really birthday, congratulations, you know, and gift yourself. That's amazing. You know, once you mentioned SEO, my ears just like went up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, I want to tap into that just a little bit to know, like, because yeah. you said three years, you know, so before the SEO was applied, how was business running and how are people finding you compared to now that it's applied? Your website is strong. You have you don't even need to run ads to get clients anymore. So how does that play into your, your practice and your modeling? Yeah, so I've actually never run an ad. Um, I've done a lot of organic, but, you know, like when I first got started, I did all the things that people say to do to get you going organically, like I was always on social media, always posting, engaging with other people's content, but I'm on the CrateJoy marketplace. So CrateJoy is just, it's a marketplace where people go to find subscription boxes. Okay. And so I started aligning my content with what CrateJoy was featuring for the month. You know, so if it was Valentine's Day and they're talking about Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day or Singles Awareness Day, then I made sure my photography and my content was all about Valentine's Day, right? Okay. So for um, for March, you saw nothing but green and St. Patrick's Day. And now it's Easter, there's a whole bunch of yellow out there, you know, there's different things that look like Easter within my photography and the conversations that I'm having. So aligning myself with their SEO is what's made a difference for me. That's great, yeah, because I just took a quick dive into the SEO and I'm like, okay, they have a really strong domain authority. They have strong backlinks. They have strong mm -hmm. features because when people are searching for this content, your image shows up, your, right. you know, your content shows up. And if there are other people that have what you have, you're standing out because you've designed and branded yourself, which gives you that outstanding performance compared to the competitors around you. Absolutely. And I mean, it's been conversations with you as well. Like last year when um, when we met and you were teaching me some things and like the alt tags with images, right? Yeah. So there was someone who was ranking higher than me for the phrase Marshmallow of the Month Club. So I went in like a lunatic and just started alt tagging everything as Marshmallow of the Month Club in my images, you know, and then like I would just like in, in blogs, I would just constantly say Marshmallow of the Month Club and I started to notice an indexing difference so mm. you know i appreciate you for the education <laughs> no, you're welcome anytime anytime you know this is beautiful to see because when i hear businesses thriving with seo and it works it just gives mm -hmm. people that have no idea what it is or what it means the ability to start somewhere 
and be confident in their product because you know everyone is doing marshmallows like you said you can go to walmart and get anything you can go on youtube and find anything but people pay for experience and people have paid for people absolutely i i absolutely agree with that you know before june of 2020 i never showed my face you know when you were saying people pay for people i never really showed my face within the business and now i have more posts that show me and my personality and what i'm doing behind the scenes and i feel like my client base are the people who are curious about what I'm up to. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, that necessarily like marshmallow lover. They're really like marshmallow lover who's a fan of Chef Farrell, you know? So I've, I've found my people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, when you mentioned content, what came to my mind was breaking down and analyzing how you actually distribute your content. Because mm -hmm. when you're doing behind the scenes or you're showing people how to make this type of recipe, or how to use this recipe to, with the ingredients they have at home, how does it become a lifestyle for them? So how do you put your content and market it in a way that is appealing to them and not so repetitive? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know what I find so interesting is more people engage when I'm doing a food, when I'm doing a recipe and it's fast forward. I don't know if that's just like what people are trained to look at when they're in reels or something like that. But, you know, um, so I looked at my YouTube uh, analytics and it shows people like my long content, people drop off in two minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, so how do I keep them for the entire two minutes and they get to see everything within those two minutes? So I still have my long content out there for people who want the step-by-step -step recipe. Yeah. But then I started creating just, you know, whether it's a short or it's a reel within those 60 seconds to be able to speed it up. And then with the, the tempo of the music and I see that people finish the entire, you know, YouTube short. So they're looking at the whole thing. So I had to understand that. I've only got their attention for two minutes unless they're trying to learn the whole recipe step by step. And, you know, uh, most people are purchasing from me rather than trying to make the recipe themselves. But like I said, so I want to keep them for those two minutes and they just and they finish the entire video. So speeding it up and um, having a higher tempo of, of the music. But looking at those YouTube analytics made a difference. Because why waste my time doing all this long content form if they're only interested in two minutes of my content? Exactly. That's the sweet spot. Because mm -hmm. people spend those two minutes and they understand it. You know, like when you watch your favorite restaurant and you see them, what they're making in the back, you're like, oh, I don't want that. Or that is yummy. I want to know how they made it. You're literally right. giving them an inside scoop of what mm -hmm. you're putting in. And that gives them confidence to know that, okay, what I'm eating and consuming is what I've already seen. Absolutely. And I think that's made a difference for me as well when it comes to, it. you know, we always talk about this no like trust factor. Yeah. But then me just saying that I don't use artificial ingredients is not the same as them seeing me actually squeeze lemons, you know, to make that marshmallow. So I've. Um, I've gotten comments from people that said, thank you for showing us how you make it. Mm. And I was like, oh, I never realized, like, I'm just making content. But I didn't realize <laughs> that it was building trust as well. Like, oh, she says she uses lemons, and I see her using a lemon. Yeah, definitely. You know, that got me thinking, have you ever thought about doing a challenge? Or if you have, how has that experience been for people who are trying to understand the ropes? 
What kind of challenge? Like a marshmallow challenge or like this is how to make this in five minutes or 30 minutes or... Oh, I mean, I guess I challenge myself all the time because, you know, at some point, you know, I, I want to go live with my content, but there's some things that you cannot do live when it comes to marshmallows because it takes like 20 minutes. So I'm like, what do I talk about for 20 minutes while this is, you know... You know, on the side. Of course, when you're not live, you can edit it, make it look like a shorter period of time. But I'm trying to figure out how to fill that in. But um, I think the more of the challenge would be for me to ask my subscribers for like, give me a flavor that's really odd and see if I can make, you know. So that would be one that, because for April Fool's Day, I decided to post, because every month in my Facebook group, I post what the flavor is for the month. Mm -hmm. So on April 1st, I posted this month's flavor is dill pickle marshmallows, right? <laughs> and so many people believed me. <laughs> I was going to make dill pickle. You know, so some people were curious and I went ahead and made them and I've shipped them off. So some people are getting dill pickle marshmallows this month. But now when you say a challenge and me thinking about that, that would be a challenge I would do. I would let someone... Because I do reach out and say, what flavor do you want? But I don't do odd flavors. Mm -hmm. So that would be a great challenge would be, so give me an odd flavor for the month and I'll do it. Exactly. I feel like that's what's going to make it even interesting for people to see. Because those flavors are like, oh, I've never seen that before. Or I didn't know you could make marshmallows with that flavor, you know. So it, it sparks that interest and it makes them do some Googling about those yes. recipes before they come back to you. And they're like, okay, now we understand it absolutely absolutely yeah that is amazing to hear you know one of the things that i wanted to ask you too based on content because you mentioned youtube shorts i know there's mm -hmm. tiktok there's pinterest ideas there's instagram reels out of all the content including email what works the best for your business and why is there like a combination that you can describe I, you know, um, the, the wonderful Tamara Mon Louis, you know, she took me behind the scenes in Google Analytics, and I really thought Instagram was my jam. You know, I really thought, like, it's where I needed to be was Instagram, but I quickly learned that my traffic was coming from Facebook. So what works best for me is Facebook, and I really wanted to figure out, like, why does Facebook work so well for me? Because I have it up all day long. I'm engaging in groups all day long. Like, it, it, it's truly, it's it's a community for me as opposed to just, like, social media. So, I mean, I, I find myself to be a thought leader in different arenas. And I always think I'm the most hilarious person in the building. So, when I see something, I constantly comment on it. I'm over-opinionated. <laughs> So I'm on Facebook in communities and in groups and I'm constantly posting and um, and I realized like the first two years of my business, I missed an opportunity where my, my personal banner didn't have like my contact information, it didn't have my business. I never thought of Facebook as a business platform. You really just think of it as keeping in touch with your friends and family, right? Yeah. And then of course you have a Facebook page or you have a private Facebook group. But I never thought about taking my personal Facebook page and making it a piece of my business. And, you know, last year when I met with Rachel Spiewak, like she really showed me like how to just take your banner and drive traffic to your Facebook group with your banner or let people know what it is that you do. Because we're entrepreneurs, right? We work for ourselves. And so 
people need to know what we do. So I took my Facebook banner and it now shows my Facebook group. It talks about the Marshmallow of the Month Club and then you have people sharing your posts, right? So people yeah. who are friends of mine are just like, oh, I want to share this. And then it creates, you know, so now you start borrowing from other people's audiences. So yeah. Facebook is where it's at for me. Okay. Go Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't we don't hear a lot about Facebook. We hear about every other platform, but when you hear Facebook, you're like, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing that. But you realize that Facebook is still big today, and everybody and their mama, <laughs> you know, are still there. And you you, yeah. you you can't neglect you can't neglect them because that's where you started. And if you want to build relationships, that's where it begins. Absolutely, and I know that a lot of people are having trouble with Facebook ads, so I don't do Facebook ads. It's really organic. But that older gift giver is on Facebook, yeah. you know? Oh, I never thought of doing Marshmallow. You know, like Instagram, I don't know if people are really shopping on Instagram or they're looking for inspiration. So I struggle with, like, Pinterest. Like, I struggle with, are people shopping Pinterest or are they just looking for inspiration? But I know that Facebook, huge on ads, throwing an ad in your face every five seconds so what would be the difference between throwing content in their face every five seconds, right? right? So you start, so it's no different from a Facebook ad showing up in your feed and people seeing the imagery, because fortunately I'm in food and that imagery, it, it, it gets you to just stop scrolling, right? There's just some pages that I just sit there and I'm just like, I don't need to scroll anymore. I just need to look at this food. So I think I'm very blessed with like having this very visual business on Facebook that people will stop and be more, you know, like, what is this? Let me figure out what this is. Especially when you're posting stuff like, I just made a dill pickle marshmallow, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> that got me thinking too, because I'm like, you know, with food, especially in the industry, what people really look out for is good lighting and bright colors. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about those two elements and how important it is for your business conversion? Yeah, so the colors you don't want to use for food is blue and green. Blue suppresses the appetite. So you want to stay far away from blue when you're actually um, doing food photography, right? But yellow, orange, and red, just like all the, the kings and the arches out there, and, you know, when you look at their... Um, their social media and all their ads it's red yellow and orange because those make your mouth satiate and want more food so like you so you're looking at these ads and it's it's in your head that i need to eat that right now so i try to stick with yellows and reds and oranges and yellow honey happens to be one of my brand colors so i try to keep that um in there and and um so those are the colors that attract people to food. So again, stay away from blue. Um, and then the lighting, I use a lot of natural lighting and then I go in and edit it. My little photo studio is set up right next to the window. Both of mine are right by windows. So I get a lot of natural light that comes in. Um, I'm not a food stylist because a lot of food styling is a lot of fake food. I would rather take the photo of exactly what the food is. like. When you see uh, when you see mashed potatoes out there, no, 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 I'm sorry. When you see ice cream photograph, it's usually mashed potatoes. It's not even ice cream. Mm. You know, so <laughs> you're all excited for this ice cream, and then you get there, 
And it's not the same thing. Or even Burger King's in trouble right now, right? Because like they've got false advertising. What's on the screen is not what you get in the store, right? Right. So I try to make sure that there are some tricks. So when I'm shooting cocoa, it is my cocoa. It's not all the tricks that they have with co- to make cocoa look like cocoa. So. Wow. Thank you so much for highlighting that because colors really rule the day. And yep. People don't see it, but they actually see it subconsciously. Subconsciously, absolutely. 100%. Wow. If there's one thing that you want to tell any shopper that's shopping for food, what should they be looking out for? Some people don't even check the expiry date, for example. So, So what are the best pro tips you can give them when they're doing their own research about food? Oh boy, I mean, there's so many categories though, right? So where do we even begin? Um, Fish should not smell fishy. Fish should smell like the ocean, right? So when you're buying fish, it should smell like the ocean. It should not smell like, it should be real fishy. So that's one of the things about fish. Um, What else? Give me a category. I would say like, your satisfaction is good. Breads, you know, and when people are having marshmallows as well, you know, putting in the fire, like what are those things that they they need to focus on so they're not burning themselves either? (laughs) Yeah, right. So, um, breads, you actually, I I just learned this recently. I've been buying breads that are lower in calories Mm. and like they have more water in it than anything else. So that was really interesting about breads. Oh, here's a good thing. Right, people are looking for um, low-fat options, but low-fat options typically have more sugar, right? Or if it's, so you think you're doing well with like getting rid of the fat, but it's actually adding more sugar into your diet. Um, look for oleic acid, oh yeah, yeah. oleic oil, O-L-E-I-C. It's a diuretic, so you really don't want that in your food. Um, <laughs> mm. Sugar. O-S-E, everything that ends in that ends in O-S-E is a sugar. So you may be looking for like cane sugar, but there's fructose, glucose, su- you know, sucralose. There's so many different kinds of sugar if it ends in O-S-E. Oh, and my biggest one that my kids dislike me for because it means they can't eat Doritos is, um, is MSG, right? So I, I stay away from MSG as much as possible, which is so funny because... You know, when my grandmother passed, I tried to make her fried chicken and I, I just couldn't get it right at all. And I asked my uncle, I was like, what is the secret to her fried chicken? And it's accent, which is MSG. Mm. <laughs> so um, that's one thing that I stay away from. I can talk about food all day long, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a big one. That really helps because people don't really look at like even when they buy bread, they don't read the total calories or the fat or the protein they don't the cal- the carbs it's like right. we we just see the price and that's what we're getting and it's like what imagine absolutely. what you're putting in your body absolutely i mean cuz even when you look at serving size right yeah. so it may say that like the serving size is two slices of bread or well typically it will say the serving size is one for when it's a slice of bread and it's 140 calories right but how often do we eat one slice of bread we usually eat two, so you need to be able to double that when it's saying that the serving size is is one slice when it comes to bread. Yeah, that's a good pro tip right there. 
But that. make your own bread. It's simple, easy. I love making bread. How does someone even start that if they are wanting like bread? Oh, me? How? <laughs> make your own bread. Um, start with a no need K E N A D recipe. No need bread recipe. I mean, it's an easy way to like make fresh bread at home, and then you can start experimenting with adding um, old yeast to your bread. And, um, adding different herbs and spices to your bread. So there's so much you could do with bread. I'm surprised I'm not bigger than what I am. I love bread. But <laughs> <laughs> I love making bread. I love eating bread. I love bread. Now that you mentioned bread, before we, before we close, you mentioned bread and it got me thinking because I used to love white bread. But yeah. I now take, you know, honey wheat bread or brown bread and I'm like, is there a difference, like dynamically, or are you just choosing it based on preference? Oh, absolutely. And so it all comes down to wheat, right? Mm. So when when you get whole grain wheat, um, it has what's called the the germ. And I hope I'm saying it correctly. I mean, like it's been a while since I read about like the beginning of bread. So it's all about the wheat. And where's the wheat? grown and what's the nutrients in the ground you know that's in the wheat because in the united states of america we grow wheat corn and soybeans that's all we like you know mass produce there are local farmers for everything else but we're known for our wheat our corn and our soybeans so when it comes to the wheat when you when you harvest the wheat and you start breaking it down you start losing all the nutrients that are in the wheat and so there are some farmers out there who are taking like ancient seeds and replanting them. Dan Barber is a huge chef on this from, um, he's based out of New York and taking that wheat and cultivating it so that there's more nutrition within the wheat. But when you take this wheat and you put it through the mill and you break it down, you begin to lose all of the nutrients. And like the, the, the breaking it down to where it's bleached and because like white bread has it's gone through a process where the wheat is actually bleached to look white i mean you have no nutrition within this final product except for what they add back so when you see enriched that means they broke it completely down and then they added nutrients back to it so white bread i love white bread it's delicious it melts on your tongue it's good with butter <laughs> But, like, the nutritional value is really just lost. And you really want to have, like, whole grain bread. Even even whole grain bread is different from whole wheat bread. Mm. And whole wheat bread is different from 100% wheat bread. Like, like the way that they phrase it, it just messes you up. So, <laughs> so you don't. So, you're really looking for whole grain bread or making your own bread from whole wheat flour. Mm-hmm. That's a masterclass you just dropped on us. It is, right? <laughs> oh, and ice cream, too. Don't even get me started with ice cream in the United States. <laughs> wow. Ice cream is a whole other thing. The next time you buy Briars, look at the packaging. Nowhere will it say ice cream. Nowhere on the package will it say ice cream. It Whoa. will say uh, a dairy dessert, I think, is what they use because there's certain stipulations of how much air. So when you make ice cream, so I used to make ice cream as well. So when you make ice cream, you have to churn it for a long period of time. And well, not for a long period of time, but you churn the ice cream and it incorporates air into it. Right. So 
in the United States, there's a certain amount of air that you can have where it's considered ice cream. And if you have more air, because right now you're filling up this tub and people are actually getting less ice cream than what they think. So you cannot call it ice cream. You have to call it like a dairy dessert. <laughs> I feel like anybody that listens to this episode, because I know somebody who listened to this episode while they were in the grocery store. <laughs> so this is going to be another one of those good ones. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, I got to check this. There's the back of yeah. this content before I buy it. <laughs> So make your own ice cream. It's easy enough to do with making your own ice cream. Just getting a little ice cream churning machine and make your own ice cream and play with the flavors. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Saida, for being here and just just oh, thank you. giving us all this knowledge, dropping all the bombs. You know, we needed it today. So I really appreciate you for that. Awesome. As you can tell, I used to be a culinary instructor. I'm still a culinary instructor. So, yeah, I teach um, culinary arts as well. So before I went 100% in my business, that's where I was at. I was teaching culinary arts. And they've actually asked me to come back and do some demos. So my, my, my love, my passion is teaching culinary arts for sure. That's beautiful. Wow. If there's any way they can get in contact with you or they may want to buy the subscription boxes, what are the yeah. options they have available? The easiest thing is www.marshmallowthemonkclub.com. I mean, I have several domains that will lead you there, but that's the easiest one is marshmallowthemonkclub.com. Um, I'm on Instagram as Edible Opus, E-D-I-B-L-E-O-P-U-S. And my email is chef.farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L, not Pharrell like the singer, at edibleopus.com. Amazing. Definitely we're going to have this in the show notes so that people can click on it and access. Because they're, they're going to be like, let me rewind it again. What did she say? <laughs> you want to make it as convenient. I'm very verbose. I apologize. No, I love it. I love it because it keeps people on their toes. They're always like, okay, we know what's, what's coming. So let's make sure that we get everything. You know how you open a book and you read the back of it before you start? It's kind of like the same yeah. thing. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Wow. This has been a blessing. Thank you so much for being here at the We Don't Play Podcast show. And we're definitely going to bring you back very soon. Oh, thank you for having me, Faber. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.